Hi, everyone, and welcome to Murder and Merlot. We are a true crime book club podcast. I'm your host, Tara. And I'm your host, Michelle. We are putting down our books and picking up the paper. Because this is the morning news. Yes, it is. And we have quite a few updates for the morning news today. Yeah. I feel like a lot of stuff has been happening in the true crime world lately. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good to get a couple things resolved at least. Yes, agreed. Um, One of the, the big stories, again, is the Golden State Killer. There's another update because he received his sentencing. And I just think some pretty interesting stuff has come out since the last time we have talked about Joseph Uh, James D'Angelo. I'll just quickly read a little absurd, whatever it's called, (laughs) little piece from the Global News. Um, So it says, just before receiving multiple consecutive life sentences, Joseph James D'Angelo, former California police officer who lived a double life as the murderous sociopath dubbed the Golden State Killer, broke his silence and stood up from his wheelchair to say, quote, I listened to all of your statements, each one of them, and I'm truly sorry for everyone I've hurt, end quote. He said, putting aside the weak, quivering voice he used to plead guilty and also admit to multiple other sexual assaults for which the statute of limitations had expired. Prosecutors and victims said it was more evidence of a manipulative and vicious criminal who fooled investigators and his own family until he finally admitted victimizing at least 87 people at 53 separate crime scenes spanning 11 California counties. So a lot to unpack there. But what I really wanted to point out is him standing up from his wheelchair to say this statement in not the same brittle old man act that he's been giving. So that's- no, because he was seen like sitting in a wheelchair, basically drooling, like he's Mm -hmm. completely like an invalid. He's not. And could hardly admit when he had to, you know, say that he was guilty. He could hardly do that because he was so weak and sick and old and feel sorry for me. dying old man. But then video surveillance came out from his cell and we could see that he's actually fully capable of moving around on his own and can climb on things and dust his, you know, high up in his cell and organize everything. Yeah. And okay. then do push-ups and mm. like, fuck you, buddy. Fuck that guy. More proof that he's a sociopath. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's not surprising. <sighs> we knew that this was all an act. We knew that. But still, to actually see him do this flip and be like, nah, I'm actually fine. But you got I'm me, good. so why do I have to keep going on with this act? Like, just makes me hate him even more, which I didn't think it was possible, but I do right now. I know. I yeah. know. I'm with you. I saw that and I was like, I hate this guy. Like, yeah. I hate him. He used to be a police officer, so he knows there's video surveillance in those cells. Right. He knows it's going to get leaked out. Like, come on. Exactly. It was like, eh, I'll put up the act, hopefully get off on a lighter sentence, but... Maybe somebody will give me sympathy because I'm old right. and drooly. Exactly. But I'm glad that they didn't. He's yep. not getting the death penalty, of course, but, I mean, he's going to die in there anyway, so doesn't, yep. doesn't matter. <laughs> he did the yep. plea deal or whatever, but I hope 
his and time. I, and in- we said before, like, even if he did get sentenced to the death penalty, there would have been so many appeals. He would have died in, in jail anyways. Exactly. 100%. So, so regardless, he's going to die in there and I'm happy about it. Yep. <laughs> Stupid old ass. <laughs> <laughs> wrinkly old ass. <laughs> uh, one of the other updates we wanted to give was on Evelyn Boswell. So if you remember way back, we one of our first mini episodes mm-hmm. was about Evelyn Boswell, the 15-month-old baby girl that was missing and then was later found, her body was found on a family member's property. Her mother, Megan Boswell, is formally charged for felony murder aggravated child abuse, aggravated child neglect, tampering with evidence, and abuse of a corpse in the death of Evelyn Boswell, five months after the baby's body was found. So that's heartbreaking and horrible and sad, but I'm so glad that it's only been five months and they've got process in the works and the person who's responsible is behind bars. Yes. And even things were slowed down, I read, because of COVID and all that. Mm -hmm. So considering all of it, it's pretty good that they have yeah. been able to accomplish that and formally charge her. I mean, yes. I think it was pretty, not 100% clear from the beginning, but how she was acting right from the start yeah. was so suspicious that it's like, oh yeah, something's going on here. But I'm glad that they were able to piece it all together and that she will be punished for it. Yep. And little Evelyn can get some justice. So Yeah. And then one more update that we have before we move on to our main stories for today is an update on the Burger King shooting that we talked about in the last morning news. We found out that the wife of the man that was charged with murder was actually also arrested, which we are so happy about because it didn't mention in the previous article if she was arrested or not. But it does say that um, three days after the shooting, she had been arrested. So Ashley Mason, 31, was arrested and charged with principal to first-degree murder and aggravated assault with a firearm three days after her husband, Calvis Rodriguez, was arrested in connection to the same shooting. So again, that was the, the terrible shooting at the Burger King because, you know, her order was taking too long. And something else right. that we learned from um, this article, which is from people.com is that uh, she had her 13 year old daughter sitting in the front seat of her car with her when this happened. What a terrible, terrible human. It makes me so sad that people, children have to grow up with these people as their parents, as their influences, as their teachers. It's terrifying and it's not fair to them, but unfortunately so many kids have to grow up in these types of situations. And it's that whole nature versus nurture thing, right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be a bad person because your parents were bad people? Right. Hopefully you go the other way and right. think, I don't want to live like that. But that's not always right? the case, unfortunately. So No. Always hope for um, the best. <laughs> but yeah. It's kind of sad to think about. Definitely. Yeah. I think those are those were our main updates anyways. There's lots of other other stuff happening in the true crime world, but you know. Those are ours, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are our big yes. ones. Kind of over talking about Lori Vallow and giving her any of my brain space. So, right. She just hurts my brain. So, yeah. yeah. Until it's yeah. all said and done, I think I'm just going to ignore it. <laughs> That's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to our main articles then. 
All right, friends, grab your glass and get cozy. Let's talk about murder. Tink, tink. So you have our first article today, and I don't know anything about I it, do. so give it to me. Um, it, <laughs> just a, a headline that I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, the title is Manitoba RCMP search for a bank robber who might be a Breaking Bad fan. Okay, what does this mean? <laughs> See? That's what I thought. I mean, I'm a pretty uh, bad fan, so <laughs> I don't rob pay. Right? I know. Uh, it's from the Canadian press um, from canoe.com. And Which, sorry, what is canoe.com? I saw that uh, and I was like, what? I, I don't know. I just kind of stumbled across it. I was looking for like Canadian true crime stories and I was like, canoe.com? Like, of, that's amazing. Of course, that would be... <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> yeah. So when I opened the article, I understood a little bit more about why they thought this guy might be a Breaking Bad fan because there's a picture of him and he's in like full like white coveralls. He's got like the face mask on with the respirator, <laughs> gloves, like, everything. Um, <laughs> I'm going to so the article. It. Hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I see it. I see it now. Uh, The article says, police in Manitoba say they aren't looking for Walter White, but they are seeking a man who robbed a bank dressed like the meth-cooking TV science teacher. RCMP have shared security camera images of a man who robbed a bank in Landmark, a small community about 30 kilometers southeast of Winnipeg. Police say the man entered the bank at about 10 a.m. on Wednesday with a note on a whiteboard demanding cash. The man was wearing a white suit, respirator-style mask, gloves, and a dark baseball hat. Walter White, played by actor Brian Cranston, wore a similar getup while making drugs on the popular television show Breaking Bad. The man walked out of the bank two minutes later with an undisclosed amount of money. Anyone with information is asked to contact the St. Pierre Jolie's RCMP. And so this was recent. This was like August 27th. So like nine days ago. <laughs> oh, boy. Like okay. Yeah. Manitoba people, keep an eye out for this guy, I guess. Yeah. He's still not identified. I, and I mean, I, I'm still laughing because like how long ago did Breaking Bad go off the air? Right. <laughs> so like maybe he's just really afraid of COVID. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> nowadays, like, I mean, looking at the picture, he's got the like respirator on his face or whatever. Normally that would be like, what the hell? But right now during COVID, like people are dressing like that in Walmart right? stuff. Like it's actually right? like, not you, the craziest thing that we've really seen lately on the news when people like what people are wearing. Exactly. And I was like, it's been like at least five years since Breaking Bad's been on the air, right? So mm-hmm. why Yeah. Why would you jump to Walter White when it's probably more like COVID freak show robs a bank? Right. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> so so random but they just finally got netflix you know they're in quarantine they're like "Ah, i can't stand it anymore i need it (laughs) i need something and then this guy robs the bank and they're like they're like walter white that's what it is (laughs) i know that guy (laughs) definitely Uh, that's hilarious. Yes. So I think I want to dig a little more into canoe.com though. See what I can find. Totally. I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> it's not what I expected. You know, I mean, if I went on canoe.com, I'd be, 
hoping for a good deal on a a vessel, <laughs> you know, a fishing vessel. gear, yeah, some paddles, maybe. But there's like lifestyle and sports and driving and health stuff. Yeah. Like that's not oh puzzles. That's fun. Yeah, not right. what I expected from Canoe.com, no. but maybe it's it the just, new it's the new it place. Maybe it's it might be my new it place. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, that's yeah. super fun. Well, yeah. my my main story today is it's not so fun. That's why I went on the fluffy side because I knew which one you were talking about. So, yeah, Whew. this is going to be a lot because this one hits pretty close to home for us. Way too close. Yes. So I have actually four articles for this story. As the story has progressed, I just have different stages of what's been happening. So my first story is from lethbridgenewsnow.com. Let's see. And it's by Troy Gillard and Sheldon Speckman. The article is Doctor Killed in Attack at North Red Deer Medical Clinic. So yeah, Red Deer is very close to where we live. I actually, from a lot of my life, I've spent every day in Red Deer because that's where I play soccer. And so there has been a horrific murder there. Well, this happened on August 10th. It's almost been a month, actually. So this is almost feeling like old news because it's kind of like dissipated in our news. But (laughs) to me, it's still very relevant and terrifying. So one person is dead following an assault at the medical clinic in North Red Deer. The assault with a weapon occurred at the Village Mall walk-in clinic at about 11 a.m., RCMP said in a media release that they had one male in custody and they were not looking for anyone else in relation to the attack. There is no further threat to the public. So what happened? Well, a witness says that the victim of the attack was her family's physician, who was not immediately identified. This woman says she was sitting in the lobby of the clinic with her 13-year-old daughter shortly after 11 a.m., waiting to be checked in when the assault took place. We heard banging and then, help me, help me, call 911, call 911, she describes. That was the doctor screaming, yelling. One of the receptionists ran to the door. It was at the far end of the walk-in clinic and she came back running like she had seen a ghost and was like, can someone help him? Two larger men nearby sprang into action to assist but came back quickly telling everyone to get out. She grabbed her daughter's hand and they ran out of the doors. Once they got outside, then got into the truck, her daughter said, mom, can we go? And she said, no, I can't. I'm too shaken. The two larger men who had originally gone to help the doctor were standing at the clinic door, holding it shut until police arrived. When a police arrived, the one police officer went to the door and opened the door and had his gun drawn and yelled, put it down, put it down or I will shoot you. At that time, a hammer flew at the police officer and bashed into the door and then flew outside. It was drenched in blood, like you couldn't see any metal on it. It was just covered in blood. Ugh. I know. I hate it. The officer then ordered the suspect to put down the machete, and then went inside the clinic, where he was quickly joined by other officers who brought out the suspect in handcuffs soon afterwards. She said he was wearing a hooded sweater with his hood up. He had blood all around the rim of his sleeves and large clothes. From there, the ambulance came, and they all rushed in with medical bags and a stretcher, and before the doctor, they also brought out other patients, I assume were in the other waiting rooms, along with two other doctors and a bunch of nurses. Which, oh my god, I can't imagine. Nope. Oh, my god. 
The doctor was then brought out on the stretcher. She said, I've never seen anything quite as horrific as that. Just watching the doctors that were there and the other nurses, it was unbelievable. Just awful. And so that's what we knew the first day. Um, I think the word spread pretty quickly. I know. I I I think I texted you and then Mm -hmm. we just sent each other updates as we found them out. Just constantly. And um, I think I actually first saw it on Facebook. There's somebody that we both know that actually used to work with this doctor. So she was kind of the first one to start to say that something was going on, but we didn't quite know what it was. And then when we were able to read this article, it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying Mm -hmm. that somebody went into a doctor's office with a hammer and a machete and murdered Mm -hmm. this man. Terrifying. For no reason that we know reason, And we still don't know a reason. So I'll jump into my next article. It's called, I'm sick. I need a doctor. Man charged with murder of Red Deer physician tells court. And this is by CBC News. Author is Janice Johnston. So (laughs) this makes me quite upset. But a man charged with killing a Red Deer doctor at a walk-in clinic told judge that he is ill and does not recall the details about the attack. Bang Mabar spoke to the court by telephone from his cell at the Red Deer Remand Center, where he is being held in quarantine due to the pandemic. He said, I don't remember everything in detail. When I get healthy, I will remember everything. He goes on to say, I didn't remember everything because I'm sick. I need a doctor. And then he laughed. And that just infuriates me. I need a doctor. And he went in and killed a doctor. And then he laughs about it. And laughs about it. (laughs) I'm sick. Oh, hey, wait, I do know what I did. I killed a doctor. Mm, Makes me so mad. Yeah. The judge was asking him if he understood what he's being charged with. And he kept saying he didn't understand because he was sick. So... They had to push back and they have to reschedule for another court appearance because he would not admit to understanding what he was charged with. Just makes me so, so mad. Yes. Um, Let's see. There hasn't been a whole lot about the accused. Right away, there was a picture from somebody's cell phone in the parking lot of the mall Mm -hmm. that was released on social media. So everybody kind of got a look Mm -hmm. at the man, but there hasn't been a lot of details about who this person is. Actually, really interesting. I found out, I think it was two days after the attack, uh, my uncle, actually, he was going to the doctor's and he happened to be running a little bit late that day. And so when he pulled up to the doctor's office, he saw this man being escorted out of the building. So a little bit of, I don't know, (laughs) a higher power maybe looking out for him. I don't know, but way too close to home, (laughs) way too close to home. So I actually found an article that says a little bit more about the accused. So this is also from uh, CBC News, and it is titled, Half-Brother of Accused in Red Deer's Doctor's Killing Points to History of Mental Illness in the Family. So a relative in Seattle says that Dang Mabar once suffered a brain injury. So yes, the 54-year-old is charged with first-degree murder, and his half-brother told CBC News that the accused once underwent brain surgery in Vancouver and that the family has a history of mental health problems. He didn't know specifically what those issues were, but he does know that it has run in the family. The accused came to Canada as a government-sponsored refugee in the late 1990s. He had fled South Sudan and was in a refugee camp in Ethiopia when he immigrated to Vancouver. When he was in Sudan, somebody attacked him and hit him on the head. 
Then he came to Canada and he got brain surgery. That's what he told me. That is what I know, said his half-brother. He's always been a bit of a loner, his half-brother claimed. That was his behavior back home. He doesn't like to be with people. He likes to be isolated and to live alone without people. So that's pretty much all the history that we know about Mm -hmm. accused. They haven't said anything else about this man so far. But more importantly, we should talk about the victim here. Yes. So again, (laughs) CBC News. They did a good job covering this case, apparently. Yes. Uh, Article is, doctor killed in Red Deer attack was targeted by assailant RCMP said. So the accused, 54, charged with first-degree murder of two counts of assault. The victim was Dr. Walter Reynolds. He was 45, and he died in hospital after he was assaulted with a weapon at the Village Mall walking clinic where he practiced. And just seeing from what everybody's response is on social media and in the news and everything like that, he seems like such a great guy. And this I is know. such a terrible thing to happen to him. And it looks like he had a loving family and he had I kids. Know, and dad. And just ugh. absolutely heartbreaking. It appears the attack was, yeah, it was targeted towards this man. We don't know why. And I don't know if we will because of patient confidentiality. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to just briefly mention what other people had said about Dr. Reynolds. So this is from the office manager at the clinic where he worked. And she said, I will remember him as being full of life and what a great father he was and what a great boss he was. His door was always open and he was always there to listen to you. He was probably the kindest, gentlest human you would ever want to know. He was my right-hand man. It's going to have a huge impact on us all, but together we'll get through it. And then she said, on behalf of the staff and the doctors here at the clinic, I'd like to thank everybody for their outpouring love. So again, he just seems like a very, very sweet person that did not deserve this. I mean, nobody deserves this, but it's just so shocking that this can happen so close to home, like we've said, into somebody that seems so good. Yeah, just a good person that just showed up to work just to do his job and wanted to help. Wanted to help, yeah you know, dedicated his life to helping people. That's what doctors do. And this is what happens to him is just the most brutal and it's just not fair. No, it's absolutely not fair. And it's terrifying, honestly. Like I know it really, it shook our clinic. Mm -hmm. You know, we deal with the public as well. Mm -hmm. We get people that are very upset and we bring these upset people into an exam room and we try to talk through the problems and we want to come up with a solution, but Mm -hmm. this is terrifying to think about that. I know that's not going to always help in every situation because there's people like this out there that have these horrible objectives in mind, like going into a doctor's office with a hammer and a machete on his body that you know what his objective is going to be. So it's honestly terrifying. So many times I've been in an exam room with an angry client, mm-hmm. trying to calm them down, talk them down. It's my job. <laughs> I know. Like, it's awful. Like, just yeah. thinking about that dynamic, it was like horrifying. Mm-hmm. And right now it's almost even more scary because everybody's coming in with covered faces and everything because of COVID. And that actually, the day yeah. after that this happened, we had a gentleman come in and he was. A perfectly fine person, but he, you know, came in, just stood by the door, didn't say anything, swearing 
full black with a backpack with a black face mask with the hat everything completely covered and it it shook the girls like anybody that saw him was a little like ooh, that made me uncomfortable because this is what we thought mm-hmm. about and he was a perfectly fine person he's just wearing a mask because of covid but that is what we're thinking about now yeah so. well and like you know i've been in positions in mm-hmm. my job that have made me very uncomfortable and if things had played out differently like i don't know how things could have gone and mm-hmm. those thoughts have gone through my head while being alone in that building yep. trying to help a client yep. right i've been in that position too and it's it's not does not feel good <laughs> no so i mean i think this will result in protocols for places all around alberta mm-hmm. how do I we hope so prevent this from happening but it's it's mm-hmm. so difficult because so much of our jobs and you know the medical industry it's based off of trust yeah between you and your doctor like you should be able to go in there and just have a conversation have an exam everything should be fine but now that level of trust has broken, broken. down yeah it takes one person yeah exactly yeah. so it's quite scary and yeah i thought it was it's kind of interesting we talked about the shooting at the um, urology clinic um, in our first morning news. And we also talked about machete attack in our first morning news as well. And then this happened shortly thereafter. And I was like, well, that's a terrible, terrible combination of things. Coincidence. Coincidence. Mm -hmm. I guess Mm. it's a coincidence, but it's, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, I was kind of all over the place there because I had four articles to jump back and forth from. No, no, no. I, you did well. And I know that there was a big candlelight vigil for mm-hmm. him in Red Deer. I think they did it in a park. They practiced social distancing as best as they could. Everybody wore a mask. And like, I think there was over 200 people there. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. I think, so yes, he was a very well-loved and respected member of the Red Deer community. And it's a huge loss for their community too. Absolutely. I do also believe that there's a, a GoFundMe that has been started and it's to go towards his children for their education in the future. So, yeah. I think after all that, we need a, a fun, bizarre article. Yeah, I think we really do. Yeah. So this one caught my attention. This is the second article, but it, it, it explains everything. But I laughed out loud and then immediately sent Tara the article and then we both laughed out loud and I hope that entertains you. So uh, the article's titled Wild Boar That Stole Nudist's Laptop Could Face Death for Being Too Friendly. Uh, the source for this is the National Post. So, um, the picture on this is worth a thousand words. So it's, it's good. <laughs> so much happening in this picture. It's just hilarious. So many things. So article says, the wild boar that stole a laptop from a nudist at a German lake may be killed because it has become too comfortable among humans, authorities say. Earlier this month, photos of a naked man chasing the animal went viral after they were posted to Instagram by Adele Lander. The man had been relaxing it at the lake at Tafluse, a popular nudist spot in Berlin, when he was forced to give chase, he did eventually recover his laptop. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> the incident made the sow named Elsa and her piglets famous, but that may have sealed their fate. 
Berlin's chief forest ranger, Katja Kammer, sorry, German words again. <laughs> I always get the German words. I know. <laughs> <laughs> has been worried about the boar and her piglets for some time, and now she is reportedly convinced they must be withdrawn, which means killed. This wild boar and her two young are frequent visitors at Tefluse. They have lost any instinct of shyness, she told local broadcaster RBB, according to a report by the Irish Times. It's only luck that to date nothing serious has happened. Oh my gosh, they're so cute too. Um, (laughs) Thousands were outraged by Cammer's comments and have rallied to the defense of the wild swine family. The Guardian reported that a group called Action Fair Play gathered around about a dozen protesters at the forestry office on Sunday. And a change.org petition has garnered more than 7,000 signatures supporting the rescue of the cheeky but peaceful sow from Tefluse, the Guardian reported. This wild boar has earned the right to live, the organizers say. This sow has peacefully shared her living space with bathers for years. But it's Elsa's friendliness that authorities are worried about. For now, her piglets are too young for the family to be killed. But the Irish Times reports wild boar hunting season begins in October. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Uh, They're going to kill Elsa. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't tell the children. <laughs> I was going to say, do not tell my daughter. She no will kidding. hunt you down. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> laughing to myself because I love that the Germans are, like, rallying behind this sow and her piglets. And then I think about what's happening in, like, the States. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> quite the contrast there. I know. Not saying that, you know, I'm sure there's shit happening in Germany too, but I just love that people are like, no, this, this is what we have to fight about. The problem. Yes. And just like every time I look at the pictures, they make me laugh. Oh yeah. (laughs) They're fantastic. Oh my gosh. Yep. Can't wait to share them with you guys. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, everybody seems very comfortable in their own skin, which is very good because like, it's kind of empowering, I guess. Yeah. I guess so. Like the man that's, you know, <laughs> the victim here that has been <laughs> the victim of theft is chasing Laptop after this, theft. Yes. Is chasing <laughs> after this wild boar and there's lots of onlookers. They're just, you know, also chilling in the nude. No big deal. My face would not be that chill if a naked chubby dude ran past me. <laughs> oh God. No. <laughs> I would not be facing the same direction, that's for sure. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, poor Elsa. But this is just, that's just how it goes. I mean, hashtag save Elsa. Uh (laughs) I don't know. Do we start it? (laughs) I'd say like relocate her, but I feel like places in Europe don't quite have the the space like we do to just, you know, drop problem animals. You know, we just drop problem bears way off in the middle of nowhere. I feel like they don't quite have that that luxury. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let us know what you thought about the episode. And if you see a story we should cover, make sure to send it in. You can email us at murderedmerlot at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at Murder Merlot Podcast and Facebook at Murder Merlot Podcast and Twitter at Murder and Merlot One. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you can find podcasts. We would love if you subscribed. And if you don't, you're dead to me. Remember to drink wine. Because it's not good to keep things bottled up. Bye. Bye.